I preached today from that passage of Scripture that Adam led us in reading a few moments ago uh, about this king called Amaziah. You know, when the Lord looks at us, he looks at us in a different way than we look at one another. We see the outside. We see whether another person is tall or short. We see whether they are fair or dark-complected. We see if they're thin or not so thin. Uh, we, and the outside means a lot to us. And that's why, you know, you ladies use makeup. That's why people uh, take part in plastic surgery. That's why people go on diets. That's why people get hair transplants. I've got to confess something to you. Last Sunday when Adam was leading the singing, I noticed a little spot in the back of his head. It looked like it had black shoe polish up there. I turned around and I smiled at Chantel in the choir because I said, are you guys trying to cover something up? And she talked to me after the service and said, why were you smiling at me? I said, well, did you put that shoe polish on Adam's head or did he do that himself? And she says, that's not shoe polish on his head. Sure enough, after the service, I went and looked at it close and there was no shoe polish there. But we're concerned about how we look on the outside. And it makes a lot of difference to us. But I want to tell you something this morning. The outside doesn't make much difference to God. You remember when he sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to pick the next king of Israel after he had said that Saul was no longer going to be the king, how Jesse marched out his seven oldest sons. And and Samuel saw the first one. He he was tall and he was handsome and he was rugged. And Samuel said, man, this this guy would make a good king. I'm sure, God, that this is the son of Jesse you have have picked out. And God said, no, he's he's, he's not the one. And Jesse brought son number two and son number three all the way through son number seven. They were all good looking. And they were all ruggedly handsome. And Samuel said any of these would make a good king. And and God said about all seven of them, no, he's not the one. And Samuel said to Jesse, he said, are these all your sons? I mean, and Jesse said, well, no, there's one more. The youngest, he's out keeping sheep. And, and, and Samuel said, well, go get him, send for him, because we're not going to do what we're going to do until he gets here. And David came in. He was shorter than all his brothers. Uh, he, 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 the Bible says he had a ruddy complexion. And I'm sure Samuel said, oh, no, this can't be the one. I mean, all these other ruggedly handsome men, they'd make good kings. And here's this little short guy who, not very handsome compared to his brothers, God said, no, Samuel, he's the one. He's the one I picked out. And he said to Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, talking about the older brothers. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. When he looked at David, he didn't see a a person short of stature. He didn't see somebody that wasn't as handsome as his other brothers. He looked at his heart. And the Bible says that in David, God saw a man after his own heart. The Bible tells us over and over that that's how God always looks at us. He looks at our heart. He tries our heart. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 17, the Bible says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, 
For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, God mentions the condition of a person's heart and connects it with the way a person lives. For example, in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 17, the Bible says, The heart of Asa was perfect all his day. He did right in the sight of the Lord. So when the Lord looked at Asa's heart, he saw a heart that was good, a heart that was perfect. And Asa did that was right, which was right in the sight of the Lord. In another place, the Bible says that, his, that he looked at another king, and he, he, his, his heart wasn't perfect. His heart wasn't right in the sight of the Lord, and he was a wicked king. And so again, God looks at the heart, and he ties the condition of the heart to, to a person's actions. If a person has a good heart, he will serve God and be obedient to God. If a person has a wicked heart, then his actions show that heart by his wicked actions. This morning, I want to talk to you about an exception to that rule. This king that we read about, Amaziah, we read in verse 2, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. His actions were right, But his heart wasn't. If Amaziah was alive today, he'd be the kind of guy that would read his Bible every day. I mean, he'd be as busy as all of us are, but he would find time every day to open the Word of God and read from the Word of God. If Amaziah was alive today, he'd be the kind of guy that would spend time in prayer every day. Maybe early in the morning, maybe at noontime, maybe before he went to bed at night. But every day, he would ensure that he spent some time talking to God in prayer. If Amaziah was alive today, he'd be the kind of guy that would be in church every time the door was open and the lights were on. He'd be there for Sunday school. He'd be there for church in the morning. He'd be there for church at night. He'd be there on Wednesday night. If, we, if the church was having a special meeting, he would be there every time the church door was open. If Amaziah was alive today, he'd be a witness for Jesus Christ. He would take his Bible and take people down the Romans road and tell them how they could be saved. Tell them that they were a sinner, that there was a penalty for sin, that Jesus paid the penalty on Calvary like we pictured in the Lord's Supper this morning. He'd lead people to Jesus Christ. If he didn't get to talk to them, he'd leave a track. Uh, one, of our, one of Chantel's Facebook friends uh, uh, messaged her, said, Hey, I was in a restaurant this week, and I found one of your church's tracks. And Chantel wrote back, uh, I know the lady that left it there. And she said, You're a Christian. I hope you left it where you found it, so somebody that's lost can find it and get saved. Uh, but if Amaziah was alive today, he'd be the kind of person that would pass out tracks. If Amaziah was alive today, he'd sing in the choir, or else he'd usher. He'd invite others to come to church. He'd be a good husband. He'd be a good father. He'd be an honest, moral, upright citizen. Everything that he would do, as the Bible says, everything that he, was, he did was right in the sight of the Lord. But the Bible says he did all that, but not with a perfect heart. Not with a perfect heart. Not with a complete heart. Not with a mature heart. 
And so this morning, I preach a sermon not with a perfect heart. And I want to mention three things that this, this story calls to my mind about how we may be doing everything right in the sight of the Lord. How everything, all of our actions may be pleasing to the Lord, but I fear there may be some of us that are doing that without a perfect heart. And this morning I want to tell you what I think that passage means, not with a perfect heart. Amaziah did that which was right, but he did it with a heart that was not perfect. We may live our life and do everything that's pleasing to God, but may do it without a perfect heart. Number one, without a heart that is moved. Maybe he did things only because he was supposed to. Maybe he did the right things only because he felt like he had to. And listen, if you're living your life right today and the only reason you're doing it is because you think you have to, because you think it's your duty, I don't want to discourage you from doing that. You keep doing it. But I want to tell you there's something better. Doing what's right with a heart that is moved is so much better than doing it just because you have to. How much better it would be if you did the things that were right with a heart that was moved to do what was right. Let me give you some examples. Some people maybe read their Bibles because they think they have to. Some people maybe read their Bibles because the preacher has said, you ought to read your Bible and you ought to do it every day. It's your duty as a Christian to read the Word of God. And again, if that's the only reason you're reading this Bible, then you keep reading the Bible for that reason. But let me give you a better reason. A heart that says, this is the Word of God. And God has preserved it so that I can read it the way that He wants it written. I get to open the Word of God, the God that created everything, the God that made me. And I get to read in this book how much God loves me. I get to read in this book how the love of God took, the, took, the, took Jesus to the cross and how Jesus on the cross died to pay for my sins. I don't just have to read the Bible. I get to read the Bible. And I don't just do it because it's my duty. I do it because I can't live without it because I know that this is the word of God. Some Christians may pray just because they think it's their duty to pray. And, 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 and they go to God and they spend time in prayer because they think that they have to. They won't be a good Christian without spending time in prayer. And again, if that's the only reason you pray, I don't want to discourage you from praying. But let me tell you a better way to pray with a heart that's moved. To pray with the idea that I get to talk to the omnipotent God in heaven. I get to come before the throne of God that rules the universe. I get to come into his presence and I get to praise him. And I get to make my petitions known unto him. He told me to come boldly before the throne of grace. It's not just a duty. It's a privilege to come before God and bow on my knees and talk to my heavenly father. Some people come to church and they say, well, I got to go to church. Maybe you're still young. Maybe your mom and dad still make you. Maybe they tell you like my dad did me. No church, no eat. I liked to eat when I was a kid. I still like to eat. You can tell. But my dad told me, unless you, as long as you're putting your feet underneath my table, when it's church time, you're in church. And maybe you're coming to church because somebody makes you. 
Or maybe you come to church. The only reason you come to church is because you think it's your duty as a Christian. And, and, and that you're supposed to as a Christian. And again, if that's the only reason you come, I don't want to discourage you from coming. You ought to come. But let me tell you a better way. Come to church with a heart that's moved. I get to come to this place where I meet with other of God's people, my family in the Lord. I get to come to this place where the Holy Spirit meets with us in a mighty way. I know I can have the Holy Spirit at home, but when I come into this place and my spirit joins with your spirit and the Holy Spirit moves, ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing like it at home. Ain't nothing like it out in the woods. It only happens when we join ourselves together and we come into this place and our spirits are joined together. I don't, I don't come to this place just because I have to. You've heard the story about the guy talking to his wife. It was on Saturday night. He says, I don't want to go to church tomorrow. I just can't stand to go to that church. And his wife says to him, now, honey, you feel this way every Saturday night. You're the pastor. You have to go. (laughs) Listen, I don't come to this church because I have to. I don't come to this church just because it's my duty. I come to this church because I want to. I look forward to it. On Saturday night, I wish it was Sunday. On Sunday night, I wish it was Wednesday. On Wednesday night, I wish it was Sunday again. I wish I could spend every day in the house of the Lord with God's people. A heart that is moved. A heart that is moved. Amaziah did that was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Listen, some of the people that sing in this place, some of them, when they get to a certain line in a song, if you're listening, if you're looking, you can see a tear come to their eye. You can hear a quiver in their voice. Sometimes they have to stop because they can't complete. They just, they, 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 they're just so overwhelmed by the message of the song. Look, that's, that's how it ought to be. Every, every time we try to do something for God. It's not that we have to. It's not that we do it just because it's our duty. It's because we love him. And our heart is moved. And we want to serve him. And these people that sing, they get so caught up in the message of the song. They get so caught up in the love of God in the song that they can't help themselves. They have to show their emotions. I'd rather somebody cry and weep and not finish the song. And the stamp for them to stand up there and sing with a cold heart, not feeling the Spirit of God moving in their life and in their heart. His heart, perhaps, wasn't moved. Number two, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Perhaps his heart wasn't complete. It wasn't committed. God doesn't want living that comes from half-heartedness. God doesn't delight in halfway living. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, he said to the church at Laodicea, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God wants us to do right, but he wants us to do right with our whole heart. The greatest commandment is recorded several times in the New Testament. But in the book of Mark chapter 12, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. David wrote in Psalm chapter 9 verse 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. 
In Psalm 119, verse 2, the psalmist says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. You may be doing all the right things. You may be reading your Bible and you may be uh, praying and you may be coming to church and you may be tithing and inviting others to come and being a witness. But is your heart complete? Does God have all of it? Does God have all of it? He wants all of it. He doesn't want just a piece of it or just a part of it. He wants the whole thing. Give him your heart this morning. Give him your heart. And then number three, perhaps his heart wasn't clean Amaziah, we read, he was a moral man. He was a righteous man. If you looked at him, you would say, hey, there's a decent guy. He's living his life the right kind of way. And many people today, they live their life the same way that Amaziah was. If you look at him on the outside, you see decent, moral, upright, clean people. But what does the heart look like? Back in the Old Testament, we read about chambers of imagery. It was a room, usually in a cave, that religious people, sometimes even priests, apparent upright men, men that on the outside worshipped God and lived for God, but they'd go into these, image, these chambers of imagery and they'd worshipped false gods. It's a place where they kept their idols. It's a place where nobody else saw them go. It's a place where they went, and instead of bowing before the God of gods, they bowed before a statue. They bowed before some other idol. You may be like that here this morning. On the outside, you look clean and you look pure. I want to remind you this morning, God looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. He sees what your heart looks like. Is it clean this morning? Are you worshiping God from the heart like you are on the outside? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that our righteousness has got to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. He said, the law said, don't murder. But I say, Jesus said, don't hate. The law says, don't commit adultery. But Jesus said, I say, don't lust. He looks on the heart. And he, yes, he wants us to do what's right. He wants us to live our life in a way that's pleasing to him. But he wants it with a perfect heart. A heart that's moved. A heart that's committed. A heart that's clean. How's your heart this morning? How's your heart? I can't see it. Nobody, the one that sits beside you can't see it. But God can. God can. How's your heart? Are you right with God this morning? Have your sins been forgiven? The Bible says that every single person is a sinner. The Bible says that every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. I compare myself to another person. I can always find somebody that's a worse sinner than I am. I can always find somebody that's broken God's law more times than I have. But the Bible says that's the wrong thing to do. The Bible says don't compare yourself to some other person. Compare yourself to the glory of God. Compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you realize how far short you fall of him. So we're all sinners. 
We've all fallen short of his glory. There's a penalty for that sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God. If you're separated from God, you can't have a good heart this morning. I'm sorry. You may be a good person apart from God. You may be a decent person apart from God. But you're a sinner headed toward hell with no hope. God can give you a new heart. The choir saying about a new name. He can give you a new heart. He can give you a heart that's right with him. But only he can do it. And he can only do it when we come to Jesus Christ and confess him as our Savior. Tell him that we're a sinner. That we understand that we're deserving of the punishment for sin, separation from God. But that we believe that when Christ went to the cross, he took all of our sin upon himself and paid for our sin. He paid for my, hey, he paid for my sin. My sin, all of my sin, not in part, but in whole. He paid for every bit of it on Calvary's cross, and he did the same for you. And if you come this morning and ask him, he'll save you from the penalty of that sin. He'll save you. You don't need to clean up your act. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You just need to come. You just need to come. The Bible says, but as many as received him, Jesus Christ, To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Have you done that? Have you done that? You can get a new heart this morning. You don't have to go on a list and wait till somebody dies to get... You can get a new heart made new in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, most of us, we have that new heart. But how's our heart? How's our heart? Don't just be a mechanical Christian. Don't just go through the motions. I mean, if that's the only reason you're going to do it, yeah, you keep doing it. I'd rather you do that than not do it at all. But don't stop there. Get a heart that's moved. Get a heart that's committed. Get a heart that's clean. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you put Amaziah, the only one that I can find in the Bible, that did right but not with a perfect heart. You did that for a purpose. You did that for a reason so that we would examine our hearts. And we'd ask the question, is our heart perfect before our God? Help us to do that this morning. Father, I pray as Christians, if we've examined our heart, if it's not perfect, we would do what we need to do this morning to make it right with you. That we would come and we'd ask you to work on our hearts some more and make them moved and make them committed and make them clean. And then, Father, I pray for the folks that are here that don't have that new heart yet because they've never come to Jesus Christ. Help them see their sin this morning. Help them see that sin separating them from you. And help them see, Father, there's nothing that they can do to overcome that gulf except to come to Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. And so help them to come to Jesus Christ this morning. Just bless this time of invitation. Use it, Father, to build your kingdom, both with those that are not saved and with those of us that are saved. Work in our lives today. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.